Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today is my colleague, freelance writer, Fraser Brown. Hello. We're also joined by freelance writer, Rowan Kaiser. Good morning. Good morning to you both. And uh, <laughs> I have a little bit of a bone to pick with you. Uh, and, and that is that you recommended that I start playing a little game from uh, Raw Fury, which is a new publisher, called Kingdom. And it's developed by uh, Licorice and Noyo. And it is a side-scrolling uh, survival strategy game. And you guys were really high on it when, when I suggested another topic this week. And you, you trumped me with this one. Uh, you trumped me with genuine enthusiasm. Uh, <laughs> genuine and suggested enthusiasm. I, oh, we, we hate that. We, we, just, we just absolutely loathe that when, when you guys bring the energy to a podcast. But you suggested this game, Kingdom, to me. And uh, I started playing it a couple days ago. And I have put in, I think, 20 hours now. And you started Wednesday evening, and this is Friday morning or Friday afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in the last two days, two and a half days, I've put in twenty hours on this game, and I would say probably ten of that, those hours have have been like borderline me hate playing this game. <laughs> and yet, and yet, it's been a game. It's been it's been quite the journey. Because it's a game that really forced me to look deep within myself <laughs> and understand what kind of like broken, dysfunctional human being plays 20 hours of a simple little game like Kingdom uh, in the space of a couple days. Uh, so what, what, I wanted to, what, I, what I wanted to ask you guys about, uh, bef- before we get to whether or not this is, this is really a, a strategy game even, or, or whether it's a good strategy game, uh, I want to talk about first impressions, because, because I feel like we were all sort of swept up in, in, in the, the moment uh, with this game. And I, I'm curious, what, what won you guys over so quickly that you, that you pushed this, this drug into my hands? Well, I think I had been doing that, so I would had my 10 hours in that first day and a half, and then I see the email pop up from you, and I'm like, this is a strategy game, this is something that might be worth discussing, and then I just kept playing, and I still haven't actually come to the completion of my playing, so um, I think the sort of first impression... The first impression is that it's gorgeous. Like this is a full-on pixel art, aesthetic, modern pixel art aesthetic, like a Limbo or a Braid, you know, sort of popularized. Except it's also a strategy game. Um, it's sort of like Terraria, except you're not like crafting nonsense. And I am not a fan of crafting nonsense, so that also got me. But I think what sort of kept me going is that I always know that when I lose, it's my fault. Like, it's it's really easy to lose this game, but you yes. know that something has gone wrong and it's your bad when you do. And usually, especially in the first, you know, couple cycles of the game, that's a learning experience. You figure out, okay, I lost because of this, now I know to, you know, not expand so fast, or build more archers, or whatever, or not, you know, stick my nose out too far. Um, so I think it's got a good loop of kind of, it's your fault, but you're going to do better next time, buddy. Even though you often don't. Fraser, I'm just going to keep staring at your icon on this, uh, on this <laughs> Skype call. <laughs> so my, my first impressions are maybe a little bit different from ruins uh it is gorgeous 
that's uh, I, I share that sentiment. It's an absolutely beautiful game, particularly the um, ever-present river that runs throughout uh, the, the 2D plane. Uh, just really beautiful. Um, but my first impressions were, wow, this is a game about trying to keep your hat, uh, your crown <coughs> specifically, um, which is... Like I like hats. I like not having hats <laughs> stolen from me. So I was like, "Yeah, I can, I can get with this." Yeah, I we should we should it. explain that you you're a king or a queen yeah. who you you spend the entire game on horseback, and you have greater mobility than just about anything in the game. Uh, but it's limited. You can you can sprint for a short time. Uh, but but the main thing is when enemies hit you. Uh, if you have gold, if you picked up coins, and you can get coins in a number of ways. But if you have coins in your coin purse and you get hit. Uh, coins fly up, and the monsters try to take those. But they also keep trying to hit you. And if you have no coins, uh, the camera slows down, and your crown goes like tripping through the air. Uh, you know, a bit like uh, you know the One Ring almost. <laughs> uh, and uh, if the monsters grab the crown before you can pick it up, uh, that's that's game. And as the game helpfully tells you, uh, no crown, no queen. And that's the rule. I mean, that's how it works in real life as well. If, for instance, Queen Lizzie lost her crown, well, then we would we would throw her out. That's just what would happen. It's you guys a cruel world. Really work monarchy. on that. It's it seems silly, doesn't it? But yeah. doesn't the monarchy in general? No, um, I mean you should work on too like throwing the crown Stealing into the crown. fires of Mordor yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Well, we could we could maybe try that uh, after everyone's played through Kingdom and gotten used to the idea of everyone losing their crowns um but yeah anyway so i you know i really like the idea of trying to keep hold of your hat but then i lost my hat a lot um <laughs> over and over and over again and i started thinking well this game really doesn't like me at all um and unlike you rowan i didn't feel at the time that it was because of something that i had done i just felt the game was being bloody unfair because all of these deaths, I didn't know why I was, you know, what was happening. Like, I'd go to a portal, and it was, you know, that's where the monsters come out at night, but it's during the day. And, oh, crikey, there's a monster now. Why is it here during the day, and I'm dead? Or, oh, Because you went to the portal. Horse. No, I know. I, you, want, you eventually <laughs> learn these things. Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Fraser. Like, creepy portals in the middle of a forest oh, yes. making a weird noise like staying away from them, that's kind of a no-brainer sometimes they start as just an arch there's no actual there's no magical portal in them there is just this stone arch but then sometimes it'll go red and things will come out of it and it was just i because the game does not hold your hand at all and this is again this is me building up to it not being a criticism um it, it, it doesn't hold your hand and it lets you make all these mistakes because you just do not know what the hell is going on. You don't know the rules of this world. Um, you don't even know if you lose all your coins, you you then lose your crown and then that's it. Um, the only things that are explained are how you move and how you buy things. That's, that's it. Yeah, it, um, you, you get told that and then the tutorial says build, explore, expand. That's, exactly. that's the end of the tutorial. So, so I was just dying whatever i was doing i and i i got really really frustrated but then i started inching towards success i started realizing you know what it's maybe not a great idea to go out into this dark ominous forest with no money and wander up to a demonic portal and be like hello 
I'm here with my crown. How's it going, guys? That's and, just going to end in and death. And you sprint in and not out. Always a yes. good rule. Um, that I never follow well. And also, even just like... Like, you know how long, or, or, or like, you know your horse is out of breath, not just because it rears up after it's, you know, when you're trying to make it sprint and it's got no more stamina. Um, you can see it actually heavily breathing. It's labored breath. Um, and so maybe you just want to, to stay still for a moment and let it nibble on some grass or whatever, and then just pick up the pace again. But none of these things are things that get taught to you by the game, other than by letting you die. And, um, I, and I then think... you figure out the mistakes you made. But they're not really mistakes at the beginning because you don't know what you're meant to really be doing. I think one of the things that kind of got me is when I realized that what it was really about was overexpansion. So mm -hmm. um, the best example of this is the farms in the game. So you see a little creek, you can build a farm on that, and your little farmers will come out and farm during the day and then they'll go back to town in the night but you can also see an upgrade on the farm and any other place in the game where there's an upgrade that's a good thing you upgrade your towers more guys can sit in your towers and shoot their arrows down you upgrade your your walls the walls are stronger so, but you upgrade the farm and the farm uh gets a farmhouse that the farmers stay there so they can make a hell of a lot more money because they never actually leave the they never actually have to walk all the way across the map back and forth mm -hmm. they're just like right there but they never leave during a demon attack so they're just standing there and they will all get wiped out if you don't have a good enough defense so what the game and their sort expensive of, size which costs yeah. five gold a piece will be stolen by demons yeah um, so this is a disaster, especially in the early game, if you build a farmhouse too early and have your farmers get wiped out because you can't defend in front of them. So when I saw this and realized that this was not something that I could take back, like once you drop the coins on your upgrade, you are stuck with having to deal with that. That's when I sort of realized this is what the game is going for. This game is trying to say you need to pick how you're trying to expand and how you're trying to build your kingdom very specifically, very intentionally, and very slowly. Otherwise, you will just slowly get into a World War I situation of you know constant degradation of your ability to do anything as the monsters get stronger and stronger. And... Uh, that's, I think, where it clicked that this was actually a good strategy game in addition to being something, you know, pretty and strategy-ish. Well, you can reduce your, like, your chances of getting more villagers by expanding as well, because yep. so throughout this, this land, there are these camps, uh, and they tend to have just two little, two little people just hanging around this campfire, a couple of hobos, and for a coin, you can buy one. Uh, and they'll come back to your village, and then if there are tools that you've you've bought, so maybe a bow and arrow and or a, a hammer, then they'll pick them up, and then that will be their role: archer, builder, guard, farmer, whatever. Um, but if you start knocking down trees in the forest, which gives you more room to expand, um, then you will actually demolish these camps where they generate. So you'll have to go further afield to find more of these camps to get more villagers. And so if you expand too quickly, you might find yourself with a very lovely big kingdom, but really nobody to help you maintain it. 
Which was definitely the story of probably my first like six to ten hours with the game, uh, because mm. the the other thing is that the game is very good at tricking you into feeling overconfident. Because what happens is every five days a blood moon rises. Oh god! And as you might expect, the blood moon brings with it a ton of nasty creatures from the portals. Uh, so every night you'll probably be attacked. Uh, but usually it's a handful of, of enemy forces, uh, especially in the early game. And so a few archers uh, can, can you know, plink these guys down while they uh, sort of smash through the walls. But uh, on the Blood Moon Nights, you will get probably four times as many enemies, and sometimes special enemies, uh, especially as the game goes on. Uh, more enemy types show up that are, are a little fuckers. more lethal. Yeah, uh, they're a little, like, creepy like dude stealing things that that like fly over and pluck your archers straight off towers uh which is which is not good there's uh ogres uh which are actually not as bad as they they initially seem but they but they do throw boulders that can wipe out uh tons of troops uh in one go and so what ends up happening is you know by what was happening for me a lot was by like day eight or nine i was starting to feel really confident and i was like i got a lot of guys i'm making a lot of money I can, I'll just expand. Like, I'll, you know, I, I can, I'll, I'll really be having a booming economy by the time the next blood moon rises. And uh, then I'll show those monsters. And so it was like kind of, you know, the, the part of, part of learning this game was this constant like battle with hubris. And I lost that battle a lot. And the, the other thing, and this is, this is where I think we come to the dark genius of this game and, and why I end up like, there's a lot I admire about this game, but once we're done with this show, I'm probably deleting it and never playing it again. <laughs> uh, because for, for one thing, there's something satisfying about a game that doesn't teach you anything, but lets you infer everything. And I found that like each time I failed, I immediately like had sort of like, you know, that snap your fingers moment. As you think, oh, wait, I know what I did wrong there, and I know how I'm going to fix it. And why wait until another play session, like tomorrow, when you know how to fix the problem right now? And you cannot even wait. Like, when you when you die, you get immediately sent into a new game after it loads. It's, it's you like don't the Netflix have, thing. You don't, yeah, there's no there's no quit button as that's happening. It's you're starting again and you're like sitting there with a brand new virgin forest in front of you just waiting to become your kingdom and you have to deliberately go and say, "I am quitting this right now even though I know exactly what to do." Yeah. And it the game unfolds in these really digestible bite-sized chunks. This is a day-night cycle. So during the day, you're doing like builder stuff and recruiting guys from the forest camps and sending workers out to clear a little more forest and build walls and upgrade stuff. And, and then by night, you're, you're fending off the, uh, the, the monstrous hordes. And so it's one of those things where each unit of gameplay doesn't feel... It's not a commitment. It's like two minutes. It's, it's nothing. But... It also makes it very easy to be like, well, I'm just going to, I'll get to day like 15 and then I'll probably hang it up there. Well, that, that's like a half hour. And at, chances are by day 15, you're going to be like, I can make a little more progress. And so it was like pushing all these buttons where like every time I failed, I sort of had a sense that I knew what to do differently next time. And then 
there was never any sort of natural stopping point because it's kind of this endless blur of really repetitive, low-intensity tasks uh, that turns out that appears to be my weakness. It is it, it is the bad it is it is the bag of Cheetos of uh of, of strategy games for me. Uh you know, and, and to a degree I, I say that admiringly, right? Like the Cheeto itself is kind of a weird like triumph of food engineering, and so too is Kingdom. I I feel like that's a little harsh on it, but I understand the uh I understand the metaphor here. I think that the thing that kept me going back, I think almost every game had, as you said, Rob, these kind of eureka moments. But it, for me, it was almost like I was wanting to fight the game to get revenge for all of my killed monarchs. Because, like, I, I, you know, I'd have this new all-important piece of information and if i could just get a few more days i could i could maintain my kingdom or i could i could build more upgrades because i figured out how to actually get stone walls or something like that and i was venturing further and further into the forest going i just need to get a little bit further i just need to get to this portal and it was always i always felt like i was so close to just getting it and to just defeating this game and of course i've still not done that um, after many hours, I have still not gotten to the, the, the end game, the win state, which we, have, we know exists. We've been told it exists. People have discovered it, even. I, I am not one of those people. Well, I'm working my way towards it, but this is... The, not if you're deleting it. Well, I mean, like... <laughs> Come on, this Rod, point, like, you gotta get there. I've got two portals down, man. I think that's all I can handle. Because uh, you're aware there's more than... The, the, there's there's multiple portals on each side of you. Oh, yeah. I have cleared out all the portals all the way to the bridge, which appears yes. to be impassable, a couple times on one side of the map. And then I get excited and go out onto the other side of the map and watch my armies try to destroy a portal. And then the enemies swarm out and they kill me. And that's just happened like three times. And I'm like, why am I such an idiot? Why do I keep doing this? The yeah, kingdom well, of experience, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and that and that's the thing is is like where I started turn on this game is that uh, those opening hours are great while you're figuring everything out, but once you learn how to survive like past night twenty and stuff like that, you've pretty much seen all the game's bag of tricks, and it becomes a real slog. And the other thing is because of the way it's designed, which is very simple, you just run your little. Your, your king or queen across the map. But as you expand, obviously, the amount of territory you have to scroll past gets ever larger. And uh, so what ends up happening is as you expand across the map, running back to your farms to get gold becomes like this endless excursion. Recruiting fresh villagers requires another, like, huge ride into the you know corners of the forest you haven't colonized yet uh and then uh, you know as as you sort of pointed out rowan eventually you start sending little armies out to try to knock out these portals but they get swatted down because every time the portal comes under attack it defends itself by spawning uh, a little like demon army um and then it kills all the guys you send and then you have to run around and try to recruit any soldiers uh, that have been so after so after your guys have been like disarmed and and hit by enemies, they basically stop being villagers or or soldiers and they become uh, 
like recruitable again. So you have to go and re-recruit them because especially in the late game, uh, when there are no more forest camps, really, you really don't want to be losing people in these attacks. So you have to go and run around and give all your guys their little coins. And uh, then you run back across the map and make sure there's weapons and tools waiting for them. Yeah, uh, the so massive you... cost of that is just astronomical when you've got, like, your whole army has been wiped out. Uh, so it's they're just little hobos wandering around. You have to pay to get them back, and then you have to pay more coins to get each of them armed with whatever tools they actually need. Uh, and, and it and gets even you're... better than that, because if you create a new army, then new recruits go into that instead of going to defend your towers. So if you start running low on population and you build an army, you've basically just totally destroyed your ability to defend yourself. It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, that's the, the <laughs> that's where I begin to really like, and and here's the problem. That's probably the point I'd hit around like hour eleven or twelve. Like at that point, I'd basically figure out how to survive forever. Like the monsters were never getting into my base. Like it was it was a comfort it was a comfortable stalemate. But you can't send more than a handful of soldiers out after the portal at a time. Uh, and so even though I have like a million archers. Because you need a million archers in this game. Uh, because they will sort of mill around your, your base, uh, usually at the at the outer wall. But they'll, they'll kind of be everywhere. Uh, Manning towers wandering around. And so they will engage enemy armies, uh, which is like flocks of arrows. And it's great. But, that also, but unfortunately, you can't direct them to go attack uh, the portals. That only happens with these little penny packets of soldiers uh, that are never sufficient for the job. And so, like, taking out these portals is just, like, hours and hours of just running your little monarch around the map, you know, re-recruiting guys who've been beaten up, rebuilding walls, spending more money on, on weapons, collecting from your farms. And it takes a long time because uh, your guys have to transit the map, too. They all have to make the walk from the edge of your base where you recruit them. They all have to make it to the center of your base where all the tools are. And so it takes you, like, a full day to ride from one end of the map to the other. It takes the little dudes walking, like, three days. And so, like, the cycle time for these attacks on these portals just gets insane. And yet, and yet, I couldn't stop it. <laughs> I mean, this is where the sort of indie game aesthetic comes in handy because it plays this cute, dinky little music, and the music your monarch really is, and your monarch looks great riding around, and you can see all the reflections and the moon and the on the water and all these cool things that are happening. So it's a really soothing, chillin' game to play, except that you're in this like desperate strategic hunt for resources. So I love the um the, the how long it takes to get everywhere, particularly for the villagers rather than for the monarch who's on a horse. I think that adds so much to the game because you have so say you've you've gone quite far to find this camp and you've recruited two dudes and they're sauntering back to your kingdom. You've got to then think, will you know, will I make it back in time before night? Will they make it? into my kingdom before this portal opens up and just flings demons everywhere. 
Um, so you've even you've got to start thinking of how long everything is going to take because this the, when the night falls, it's just awful. And then you've also got to think, well, I need these guys working on this right now, but how long will it take for them to actually march over to the place where I need them? So suddenly you're starting to think of logistics and all this other stuff. And you're like, wait, this is a little indie, two-dimensional, side-scrolling game. How did it get so complicated? Uh, I love it. It it turns player movement and not just like unit movement into a resource, mm-hmm. and that's that's a little weird at times. And it does make the game it does make the game take up a lot of time, but it doesn't feel like it takes up a lot of time, which I think is part of Rob's issue. Um, like it can feel like all right, I'm just gonna set up and build my base out a little ways, maybe do a little exploring. And that doesn't seem like a huge investment, but somehow you've just spent five hours on it. I do wonder what it's going to... Because it, it's, it's on PC right now, but it's going to be hitting... what? Like, is it going to be going to other platforms, like mobile or something like that? I'm pretty sure it's doing console stuff. They've, there's like controller support already, and I don't see any reason why it couldn't. Yeah, I mean, because I think it would be interesting to see how it would work on mobile devices. Um well, yeah, it kind of expects you to sit down for a while to act because certainly by the end game, it just takes so long to do any one thing because your kingdom is so huge. Um, I also think it would be quite nice just to be able to play it on the go or in little chunks because everything is broken up into these day and night cycles. You might just play a day on the bus and then a night while you're waiting for your, I don't know, eggs to fry. Um, on the other hand, it's very... It's very memory-based. You have to remember mm-hmm. where your farms are. You have to remember where it's more likely that your archers will be bagging rabbits and making gold for you. You have to remember where the merchant is, who's absolutely critical. Remember where all the uh, all the uh, the camps are for recruiting people. So if I'm like, if I decide to go left one day, like. I know that there are three camps, one of which is very close to my kingdom, and the other two are way out there and a major risk to go. Like, this is something that you have to learn, because the game is randomly generated. Um, You have to learn each time, get the lay of the land, and plan out where your next defensive position is going to be. So I don't think it would actually be well served by that. But I think it's probably likely that they'll try, and maybe it would work. As far as the random element goes... One thing that's interesting is that despite the fact that it's really simple in terms of like terrain, uh, there, there, it's really you're really limited what you can do on that on that 2D plane. Uh, there actually does tend to be a lot of scouting that has to happen before you consider your next next expansion, because you have some opening uh, positions for walls. So every wall can be built on top of a, of a a little mound of dirt. Uh, that also spawns rabbits for for hunting. So if you build a wall on the mound, uh, there won't be rabbits for your for your oh, archers I didn't, to. I didn't even figured that out. That uh, that <laughs> is something. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a total rule. Yeah, um, but it does seem to be the case that that happens a lot. It, it, oh. Certainly, there don't seem to be a lot of rabbits in your base proper. Uh, no, but but I did notice there were more if I skipped over a bunch of territory and built like. An outer wall that left some like wild grant wild ground in between, 
So I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Dan Stapleton and I were talking about this. He was pretty confident that it was the mounds uh, spawning the rabbits. I'm gonna uh, have I, to experiment now. Uh, uh, yeah, certainly. When, at at a glance, it looks like that that was borne out uh, during my subsequent playthroughs. But I, I think it might actually be the trees. There's a a big enough space between your walls and some trees. That's where the rabbits mm. come from. Okay. But I'm not. Because I've seen loads no. of rabbits between, like, two walls or two palisades and things like yeah. that, where there are no mounds. Interesting. Whereas if you, like, take out all the trees, then um, you kind of get a little wasteland. Yeah. yeah. My interior archer, my, my interior archers never get any rabbits, uh, but, yeah. my, but my outer ones do. Uh, mm. I know that there's deer in the forest. Uh, that, yeah, that you, you have can... to, ch- have you figured out how yes, to you get Yes, you deer? can hunt them. Yes, it's and I I figured that out just like yesterday, and my mind was completely blown because I always got so pissed off the de- with the deer because they're all so far away, and my hunters would never go all that distance. And then I figured out how I could actually hunt them myself in a sense. Well, and at times um, you need to, especially if your economy yeah, is in dire straits, because they the, give you like four gold. It's yeah, insane. Yeah, um, and the game is full of little cool secrets like that. Yeah. So like, like, like I almost feel bad that we're telling people these things because it's such a wonderful experience. No, we're, to we're saving. That shit it's out. not wonderful. It's oh, not it is. wonderful. But it is I wonderful-ish. Felt, I felt like a properly <laughs> brilliant queen when I discovered. <laughs> I often feel like a properly wonderful queen, but um, when I actually found out that you could chase these deer back to your archers, I I was just like, this is a kingdom that's going to survive the test time. I did an hour later lose my crown, but I still felt good. I still felt good. Do do we even know what that chapel out in the middle of the woods does? Uh, yeah, that's the one that allows you to build up your walls yeah upgrades you mean the upgrade shrines so basically if if you haven't put anything in there then you're not going to get like you can't upgrade to stone walls you can't upgrade your actual tier three tower itself yeah Yeah, see i always i always just dump my coins in it as soon as i see it so i think i I pretty much never actually (laughs) well that's the correct strategy because because once I, i thought it might have been a buff thing at first so I was just like, but I can't see any buffs happening. Like, I don't understand what it's doing. So I ignored it for a game and then couldn't figure out why I was stuck with all the wooden tier buildings when the previous game I had stone ones within half an hour or 20 minutes Wait, or something. Are, Maybe are those sta- aren't those statue things buffs? Those are buffs. Those are, yeah. those are the buffs, yeah. But the little sh- the shrine chapel-y things are not. They are upgrades. Yeah, I'll tell um, you, it, it, it's difficult to get to. I've never had it spawn close. But if the wall buff uh, spawns like at a place you can get to, like if you pay that thing up, those walls will be pretty hard to bring down. They're pretty yeah. great. And late in the game, you definitely need the upgraded walls if you can possibly get them, because it just becomes like oh, you, a mathematical impossibility to you hold. You have almost no choice. If you've yeah. got a blood moon, then those they will just demolish all of your wooden walls so quickly because they are just flinging themselves against the walls and they, they if there's even more than just like four bad guys they're going to demolish it like in a few seconds um and then while your archers and towers might be safe as long as there's no flying ones they're only going to pepper them with arrows it doesn't if, if they get past that then they're getting straight to the next wall and destroying that as well and stealing everything it's it's very 
it's very important not to have like a stretched long defense in this game you want to have like one really really big choke point and mm. the easiest thing that, to do in the game is create a stretched out defense with a bunch of like medium-sized walls that don't have towers behind them and then you your army gets all spread out and suddenly you're wiped out so dan stapleton put it really well i think on twitter uh may have also been from his review itself and I, it's something really encapsulated my feelings about this game uh, it was a game that he was not in love with, but it was a game that he'd been in lust with. And I feel like that's where I came out with this game. Uh, you know, a lot of the time, like a as I have sort of figured out the tricks and what kind of risks I can run and that kind of thing and what sort of the order of operations is, uh, it's it was really satisfying to puzzle that out. But the game ran out of new twists to throw at me so long before I achieved my victory, my, my win state. And that is, it's really like, this is something I, I, I struggle with a lot. And you, and you, all, you often hear this, uh, particularly among game developer Twitter, and it kind of drives me crazy when they sort of smirk at people who are like, I played this game for X amount of hours and I hate it. And they're like, well, you know, clearly you're, you're kind of full of it. But I actually, I totally understand how you can play something into the ground just because, like, it presses some buttons and then at some point the experience falls apart. Like, I don't think that's an invalid reaction, and nor do I think it's an ir irrational one because I'm having it here. Uh, I don't know if it's the proper definition of the, uh, of, of the chick parabola, uh, to throw it back to Tom Chick's uh, description of, of how you, you sort of sort of unravel a game and, and figure out that there's nothing sort of holding it together. Uh, but this is definitely a case of, I feel like the game's length really outstrips how much design is in it. Uh, and I feel like it has a really like difficult mid game uh, spike difficulty spike, but then it just kind of runs out of gas and is like, well, maybe if we throw more monsters at you and make the kingdom really just absurdly big, that's that's challenge enough, right? That's an end game. All right, pack it in, everybody. That's <laughs> game's done. See, I, I feel that this is a, a sort of issue that a lot of of games, particularly roguelikes, but really anything with any sort of permadeath system, have in in common because if the developers do want you to die, it's not like death is just a teaching aid they actually do want you to fail over and over again. That's part of the game. Um, and so they make it this extra challenging because they think that that's what people want from these sorts of games. But then sometimes, as you said, it just spreads itself out too much. And what I think happened here was that the, the win state is meant to be this big mystery. Um, like... I think people were even meant to think that maybe there was no win state. When when does the game end? How does it happen? I'm going to keep playing to find this. And so it becomes this almost like Herculean challenge to actually reach the end of the game. Um, but that doesn't necessarily make it fun. I think one of the issues that this game has is not necessarily that it has weird... Its difficulty spikes and interesting points are take place in weird ways. Are, are like always going to be good or bad what it has is it's less interesting the better you get at it there's no you cannot 
you cannot exert your power as a king or queen over a desperate situation. So there's not really anything that you can do to make the game more interesting as you're progressing through it. And once you start figuring it out, like, you know, here's my checkpoint. Here's where I'm building my things. Like, you're not being chased around anymore. You you know all of these things that make it possible for you to kind of control the game. And then another thing comes along where that's not true anymore. And then another thing comes along where that's not true anymore. And the in-game things that come along and do that feel more arbitrary than the ones at the start, but then you go to the next level of kind of understanding what they're doing and viewing it all as kind of this long, slow, unwinding plan of getting the kingdom out there. So your big in-game issue is that you want to knock down the portals, but your armies cause the portals to send massive demon armies coming the other way. That is a reasonably interesting late game difficulty spike. It's just that if at any point in the previous part of the game, you've sort of messed up and not had a big enough army or um, you're not making enough money, then you get stuck in this long, slow grinding thing instead of like an immediate win state or lose state. So and I sometimes just scrapped a game, be not because oh, yeah, I, definitely. you know, because I know that, like, yeah, I can keep going for ages, but I'm never going to actually be able to push forward uh, like, because of a... mistakes I've made in the early game. And then that's it's a learning experience yet again. So I go back and I don't make those mistakes, or at least try not to. Yeah, yeah. I had one er relatively early game before I even really understood how the armies worked. That was like the point that I got hung up on, mm -hmm. and I got to like day eighty in that. And that was not a real fun experience. Whereas I've had games where I've like, after that, I started knocking down portals by like day 20 or something. Um, day so, 20? Wow. I mean, if you, if you get lucky in where, you're, where, you're, uh, where your defensive positions are placed, then, and you can build like a farm, a farm system on either side of your kingdom, then you can just keep churning out gold and as long as they're not too far out there you'll still have plenty of plenty of um plenty of new recruits to get so you can just keep sending armies after them and that that's uh, why you really don't want to build your farm or at least put people in it until you've built uh, another wall or two right. or maybe a tower uh, in front of it um, next to the wilderness i don't really right. like building a farm unless i've actually got a stone wall to protect it um, yeah, or or if it's near enough to your fort, like you can start building the preliminary farms that people walk back and forth from. But those aren't mm -hmm. your big money makers. Yeah, they're um, inefficient because there's so much travel time. A good a good rabbit hunter will make roughly that much money. But when you have like a system of six farms in a row and a massive kingdom, so you're only going to it like once every three days, you walk in there and you're getting like fifty gold that you can't even pick up. Um, like once you're when you're in that position, it becomes really easy to start sending armies out consistently. Um, so, like, yeah, if you're taking if this game ends up taking a long time, it's probably worth restarting instead of sort of slogging. But you don't want to feel that way because you feel invested in having created your kingdom. Um, and you know that that sort of point at which it becomes a slog slowly moves out with each match. 
So, like, the first time, you know, before you even discover stone walls or whatever, like, it can happen at that point. Then the next time it happens when you start making armies, and the next time it's when you start knocking down portals. Um, and then the next time, you know, you've got everything figured out, and your king dies because you're an idiot, and you have to start over again. See, for me, actually, it became, like, the, the point at which it became a slog kept moving in. <clears throat> and I kept um trying to get to something new, but I felt like I was going through a lot of rote procedures uh, w- with each with each playthrough, uh, because each time I learned a lesson uh, that was fun, but the lesson itself was kind of ironclad in some ways. Like, for instance, uh, you know, again, I was talking to Dan Stapleton, and and he w- he sort of said like, no, like archers are always your first investment, like archers, 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 and then maybe towers. But you need a million archers. Uh, and once I sort of cottoned onto that, and I just tried that out and built a ton of archers, uh, it, it turned out that things did get a lot easier because you can just like mow down the enemy armies. Uh, but at that point, like a lot of the early game just became kind of irrelevant because I just had so many archers out there that it didn't matter what they were sending against me because I could just sort of machine gun them down. Uh, and so then it was just like, okay, I just need to get these archers up and wait it out until I've built up a gold, a gold bank that, like, I can, in one push, race out to the next, like, wall position and get a high stone wall set up uh, before dark and the next wave hits. Uh, and, and and so, like, each time, I actually ended up feeling like I was slogging a little earlier uh, because I was going through pretty well-rehearsed steps and that's and the game. I, I did not feel like Kingdom gave me a lot of room for like. <laughs> there aren't multiple lines of play, right? There's not like, I I didn't feel like there were a lot of choices to make after a certain point. There were just kind of correct answers to the game. Like it varies a little bit with how the terrain is set up. Uh, you don't have ideal defensive positions a lot of time with like an outer wall and then a tower position nearby, but. I definitely did feel like it was a case where, okay, now I have figured out how to advance this this next stage of the game, and I will just go through the steps to get there. But again, you've, you've, in the space of, like, two days, you have played quite a lot, which, like, I mean, I sometimes feel with even games that do offer even more, uh, if I'm playing them a lot in a very short space of time, then I do get burnt out a little bit more. Oh, it's, it's a good way to learn how to hate a game. Uh, mm. And this is actually something I wonder about with reviews sometimes, because like reviewing, especially a big game, the experience for reviewing it becomes so different from how you would actually want to play it. Like yeah. I, I thank God I didn't have to review The Witcher, uh, The Witcher Three. So I, I I spent fifteen hours a day for a week. Yeah, like that. Uh, did but that? I, did I that, that, that enjoy for fun? I actually. Um, but I think The Witcher is a sort of like exception, uh, yeah. because it is just so so good. I did shotgun um, a lot of that game, so like I had to stop playing it just because like I got busy with other work, and so I'm I'm still in the midst of of, of a campaign there. But uh, yeah, I did kind of wonder like whether I would have enjoyed it if I'd had like a solid week of that. My my Steam hours on that were uh 120 hours in two weeks. Yeah, so I, I was about I 90 by the time I actually wrote the review, and um, I still had some quests left in the journal, but I just went and finished the main story, because I was like, shit, I need to get this review written up, it's been out for a week. Um, 
So and I, but actually, when I started playing the um, the expansion, I went back and, and just did all the old quests I hadn't finished uh, because yeah, I just really enjoy that. But I think that is the exception to the rule. I think generally, when you do have when you've got this kind of deadline or this small amount of time to play the game, and it can make you burn out in it quite quickly. Because I'm still very much because I I I got the game bef- uh, Kingdom before you, Rob. But you've played a lot more than than I have. Um, and I'm still very much in the sort of, I'm not going to say honeymoon phase, because I still played quite a bit of it, but i definitely not burned out on it at all. Oh, yeah, I definitely have done this to myself a little bit. Like, it's when you're out with your friends, and you're having a good time, and you go to that one last bar or something, but you know you kind of just wanted to go home and go to bed, but you're That's having such a good time. to me. Never? <laughs> so there's always room for another bar, Rob. No. You're insane. No, Fraser is the one who does that to the other people. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, you're you're the person who convinces me to go to the last uh the, the last stop on the uh, on the pub crawl. Uh but yeah, the, so <clears throat> I admit I may have a slightly harsher verdict because to a degree, I I you know, I, I just had too much of kingdom, right? I, I just it's Yep, I ate both racks of Oreos. I smoked that entire <laughs> pack of cigarettes. I drank all the bit beer in the fridge. That's definitely what happened here. I, I played this game to a point where it no longer felt good. But on the other hand, I do kind of feel like the game was really built around that sense of, like, I don't know, it, it like kind of a gluttony. Uh, gluttony, vague compulsion. Because there's always, like, there's always the promise of a payoff in the near future. And it actually sort of reminded me a bit of like how, um, a bit of like uh, how, why my feelings towards civilization uh, started becoming a little ambivalent around Civ Five, uh, and that, and that just one more turn uh, marketing campaign. Uh, because I, I, I kind of felt like the moment they started like calling out the phenomenon of one more turn with civilization, the the I I sort of felt like that was also the moment where you're, where you're starting to sort of rely on the effect of your game design decisions rather than any kind of inherent goodness or strength to them, right? Like, yes, you have you have set up a system where there's lots of little like progressions I can make, and they're all in the near to intermediate future that can keep me just feeling there's one more reward just out of reach. And if I wait a little longer, I can get there. You can absolutely build a game like that, but you can, you also then I think have to be building towards something, right? It can't, that feeling can't be the, the end all and be all of the game. And I feel like at times that's kind of where civilization, certainly I felt that was where beyond earth ended up a little bit where it's just like, here's the civ formula have at it. It can certainly keep you in your chair for a while. Uh, and, I, and I kind of feel like something similar happened here in that the game is very compelling. It's really easy on the eyes. It's a delight in a lot of ways. But having now hit this point and looking back across the journey, I kind of wonder, oh, I, like all that time I thought I was headed somewhere and now I've arrived at the destination and it's uh, <laughs> it's the end of National Lampoon. I'm at I'm at Wally World, basically. But you've not reached the end, though, have you? Though that's the Knock thing. Out some more portals, Rob. <laughs> you've you've not won the there, game yet. That was my... there are like six portals on each map. 
But you are, you're saying you've reached that point that you're meant to reach, but you haven't. I haven't. None been, of us uh, have. It, but I haven't been it, challenged. I think. I think I think Civ Five is an interesting comparison here for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, civilizations in general tend to be a lot more interesting in the beginning game than yeah. in the middle mm. or late game. And Kingdom sort of has that feel. But the second thing is that Civilization Five, much like Kingdom, sort of relies on being a puzzle that has to be solved. It's not a it's not a totally open-ended thing. Like, if you're going to do Civ Five well, you need to say, I am going for this destination based on my civilization, based on my starting location. I want to, you know, get the culture victory or get the whatever victory. And everything I do has to kind of move along that path, and you fit all the pieces of what you see on the map and your enemies do to you within that context. And Kingdom is kind of that same way, um, even more so, because, like there are only so many good places to build defensive positions. So you have to adapt your entire strategy around moving towards those defensive positions well. And um, I feel like that's more that's more tolerable here than Civ Five because this is kind of clearly a small game. Like... I think you keep having me on podcasts where I'm arguing for this, but you know, not every strategy game needs to be something that you can play forever. Like the idea that you you sort of get what this game is doing, you like it, and you're done. Um, and maybe you hit that win state, and maybe you don't. Whereas with Civ Five, there's this sort of feeling like I could be playing this forever and never play any other game, but I'm not actually sure if I even like this. And I don't know it, it, that that difficulty of like the puzzle sort of thing w feels worse in a much larger game this is very much a small scale game and i like it for that the more i think about it the more it kind of seems like rob is like describing marriage it's like everything <laughs> starts off like it's all a mystery Podcasts and oh what really a surprise did my mother like, put uh, you up to this <laughs> i've reached this point and I know what's going on, and it's just, yeah, I'm just burnt we, out. It we does have like our marriage. sex schedule, and I just don't have, <laughs> I don't have any lust in my life beyond the sex schedule but, and building my towers. Here's the thing, Rob. Only you could put the magic back in that marriage. <laughs> yeah. Have you just figured out mix how it to... up. Don't build towers. <laughs> yeah. Maybe don't. Maybe don't build towers. Maybe don't build walls and see how Have many you rabbits you figured out get. how to dress your king or queen in different sexy colors? Wait, I've that's not that's this. not a thing. Yes, that it is. is. A thing. Wait, what? Pre see, there's so press much escape. Left. Press escape. Go to the menu and click on the shield at the top of the menu. And that will change your like coat of arms and oh. their colors. Only discovered this myself today, actually. Yeah, I discovered it late last night instead of writing been, I because been I was writing my monarchs up. Yep. It seems like we've the just game saved done your changed. marriage, Rob. No. Uh, okay, that's that's definitely that is interesting, and that's this is one appeal. I, I do keep kind of wondering what else is out there in this game. Boy, there's a lot of weird metaphors that can come up as I, as I discuss this game. This is this is what happens when we have a weird, like psychologically like intense show topic. Rob, uh, Rob wonders what else is out there. <laughs> Rob can't commit to Kingdom. Because he's just not sure. <laughs> no, uh, the thing the, the... you beyond sunset in this game, beyond sunset. You know the movie where 
Oh, two people spend the entire night talking about. Oh, before before sunrise, before oh, sunset. Yeah. Come on, yeah, with the before. program, Rowan. <laughs> I'm 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 sleepless. I stayed up too late playing Kingdom. <laughs> it definitely is. Uh, yeah, you know this is the, like my first hours with before before uh, with, with Kingdom were before sunrise, and then I skipped straight to before sunset. <laughs> Where the where the couple now just hate each other and they have all this pent up aggression. Now, uh, but the the other thing I wanted to talk about a, a little bit because we we touched on this earlier, but I, but I think it's an important point. Uh, this game does employ a lot of the things that make survival games so appealing, and I, and I think it sort of boils down why that has become such a go to. Like if if you look at like the Steam top one hundred list, like it's it's chock full. Of survival games, like I feel like every quarter now, every three months, there's a new it game built around survival, and it I feel like it's been this way basically since Daisy, uh, and it's and and especially the ones that blend in that those those roguelike elements, and so I I definitely feel like there there is a degree to which this game really boils like that formula down to down to its essence, uh, and sort of reveals the both why it's an why it's an appealing option for like a lot of up and coming and, and new studios uh but but then also i think maybe why i do eventually why i haven't fallen in love with that with that subgenre like i like i feel like this this game sort of encapsulates for me why it really works on that front uh but then also why i why i've never really come to enjoy uh, survival roguelikes all that much with with the notable exception i suppose of uh sunless sea um i would also note that uh if you really boil this game down to like the core decision making process it's a tower defense game yeah mm-hmm. which is really interesting because it doesn't feel that way at all but those are sort of the strategic choices that i'm making through this game is where do i place the next tower to successfully do the things i want to do damn i like a tower defense game is it really come to this <laughs> tower defense games are great i like them we did a show I've on them not long ago nobody listened to it but <laughs> i i mean i can like them sometimes they're sometimes they're good but this is like a way to literally turn them on their side and you know take what's interesting about them and make it a lot prettier and sort of see what happens yeah it does it does do a lot of the things i kind of wanted from tower defense games when we were talking about them a few weeks ago like adding some of those elements where you have to sort of go out beyond the safety of the towers collect resources you know prepare for the next wave i i did i i did enjoy that aspect um yeah it took it took a while for me to clock that it, that it was doing a lot of a lot a lot of tower defense type things but it, it definitely is um, but I don't know. I, I, I guess Rowan, you made the point earlier that like, not every game has to be like endlessly playable. And I totally agree. Like, you know, to an extent I do look at this. It's, it, it's a game they're selling it for like $10 on steam. Yeah. I had an absolute blast for probably half my time with this game. You know what I mean? Like for, for a long while there, I was totally happy with that addiction it was just it was just a if just a wonderful binge uh but i i do feel a little bit i i don't feel cheated as much as i guess i just feel disappointed because 
so much of that journey of like there's so many little secrets to learn and it's so difficult getting over that hump of like you know day 15 day 20 uh learning how to survive some of those really like ferocious early blood moons uh that's that's all really great and then it just kind of runs out of road you know and i and i I just i just wish there was sort of a next tier of of things to figure out before i could bring down the portals Right, like create sort of intermediate step between once you've secured your your boundaries, which is basically what this game is about, uh, and then something in between that and being able to knock out the portals. Right now, it basically goes straight from survival's a struggle, survival's a struggle to survival's trivial, but good freaking luck ever knocking down the the the, the victory conditions. I, I feel like the the portals are especially bad or confusing because like sometimes you send an army out they knock it down the first time sometimes it takes five attempts to knock the one portal down sometimes there's like three portals in a row sometimes there's only one portal and then all of a sudden you're at the bridge and you're totally safe on that side of the map forever like it's it's and it's kind of difficult to Everything else about this game is sort of a matter of exerting control over an extremely dangerous like field and knowing what you can control and how to manipulate that to your advantage. But then the towers are just like, maybe this will work. I don't know. And yeah, if there's another step that sort of allows you to feel feel like you know what's going to happen when you get into the portals, the portal section mm-hmm. of the game, then uh, it would probably be very well served in that respect. Um, also, something like, you know, a boss monster outside beyond the portals that would, like, give you a sort of difficulty expanding again beyond just um, whether you knock the portal down or not. You know, stuff like that would be, probably be very well very well received. And they they did mention that Apparently the game became profitable in the first day and they're going to be releasing a bunch of free expansions for it. God, I hope they can like and that's the thing, like I could easily see like in two weeks' time or something, they've changed just because don't I don't even take that much. I can totally see a scenario yeah. where they like make a few additions and changes and suddenly the game has a good end game. Yeah, like they add two new monster types and all of a sudden Rob's back. No, no, I'm 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 gone. <laughs> I like, don't even. I think you're gonna after this podcast. I think you're gonna go crawling back to it. Be like, baby, I've got to start it right up. Said. I have things to write, but I'm doing it. I'm gonna make those coin noises. Boop boop boop. boop no, nope, I am. I, like if I if I could delete it from my account at this point, like I absolutely would. Like should be able, I should be allowed to gift it uh, because it, it, actually <laughs> it's it's basically like um, it's like the ring for me. I, I think like I should be able to pass this game on. And uh, just let it. Are, are we talking uh, Ringu or are we talking the One Ring? Uh, Ringu. So just okay. let it work its dark magic uh, through. Although the way this conversation goes, uh, it's probably more it follows. Uh, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I would love for it to become the kind of game I could get back into. Uh, but I, but I think for my own sanity, uh, I need to be done. And to an extent, that's just you know. I, who knows why one game becomes your weird addictive fixation and another doesn't? That's what happened. Like this one just just hit the right buttons 
in the right ways to short circuit all my like judgment and create a situation where I played more than I wanted to. Like that's definitely tainted my opinion a little bit. You've gone through a lot, uh, Rob. <laughs> this is this is our darkest podcast since Rome Two. Like I'm just like, there's a Skype message from you from Thursday, and it's like at two o'clock in the morning or something, and you're like, just, "God help me, Kingdom is heroin." <laughs> yeah, and I think I played until seven, and like I I played till seven in the morning that day. Yeah, and I I was like seeing you on Twitter at various points throughout the last couple of days, and I'm like, what on earth is Rob's fucking sleep schedule? It wasn't good. Like, like I woke up, yeah. I woke up at two thirty in the afternoon yesterday, and went out and ha- no, 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 I got out of bed and was like, okay, I need to salvage what's left this afternoon. I checked my email and loaded Kingdom. <laughs> In my bathrobe. I, I checked my email, immediately launched into Kingdom. Didn't stop playing Kingdom until basically some friends of mine were like, hey, we're leaving town, we should have beer. And I was like, yeah, beer's good. Let me just get out of my pajamas and come Let have... knock down this portal first, though, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, just There's one portal. It can't... I've, I've, been, I've been prodding at this thing for like three hours. It's got to be close to going down. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I haven't figured out how to speed up the portals. Uh, Rowan, I've never taken one out on the first try. Uh, I don't know what kind of blessed run you had. Uh, I, I think I had one... I mean, it's not. It's just like some of the times those things succeed and your sorties succeed and some of the times they I don't. I think it and it's like... also matters if it's kind of luck of the draw, but sometimes your hunters will like range out far beyond the wall in decent oh, yeah. numbers. They, they'll go well out into the woods, but randomly. But not always. Nope. I wonder if they're chasing something, like they've seen a rabbit or a deer and they chase it, but then I see like rabbits running away from them or deer running away, and then them not chasing, so I'm not really sure how that, that works, how far they'll range and what will make them do it. There is an invisible kitten, and they are chasing its meows. <laughs> it's always cats with you, Rowan. Everything, everything comes back to cats. Uh, I, I hope that my cat sneezing in the microphone about 15 minutes ago makes it into the final. Probably will. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I I wish I could control that end game a little more, but but I do think this this game is really interesting because it does tie together so many things about so so many things that I see in in other games, but they're they're distilled a little more clearly and a little more purely here. You know, like what does what what is a really compelling gameplay loop look like? Well, Kingdom's got one. It's it's really short. It's it, it's really uh, provides just it, it's it's not too taxing, so you get like tired, but it provides just enough like urgency and choices each each cycle that you always feel like you're you're really engaged, uh, even if you're just kind of repeating the same steps. Uh, it's got that man. You're always one mistake away, so there's kind of an emotional intensity that like roguelikes have because you know all it takes is that moment's inattention, and your crown is gone. Uh, and boy, was I not happy when I lost a game on like day 51, uh, because I just <laughs> forgot that I'd spent all my coins and then I went out into the woods with no coins. And have got, you like, ever um, chased your crown? Cause I spent maybe 10 minutes, um, what? in this just tiny, yeah. So when your crown gets knocked off, you have like, obviously like a moment to catch yeah. up to it and you can pick it up again. But so I was out in the woods and there is one demon 
and it knocks into me. The crown goes flying. I turn around. I get the crown, run away. It chases after me, knocks it off. And this went on for like five or ten minutes oh, until oh, and I was hell. just inching closer and closer to my base each time. To, and then the, the, the little demon got peppered with arrows and I actually made it through. And I actually almost, I was playing on the laptop and I just stood up and had to quickly catch my laptop because I was basically doing some sort of Mexican wave, forgetting this <laughs> with one person. The laptop just goes flying. I managed to catch it. Uh, and it was just, it was an incredible experience. Uh, I mean, at the time, it was awful, <laughs> this, but... <laughs> this game is just straight-up hazardous. <laughs> it really it's is. It's great, this, but this it's is, hazardous. So, ba- so basically, we all think really highly of Kingdom, except it's found various ways to imperial our livelihood or lives. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm done, I'm done with my work and my shopping and my cleaning for the day, so I'm going to load up Kingdom and do that, and then I'm going to do my night writing last night. And, well, suddenly it's 2.30 and I haven't done any of my writing, so now I'm on four hours of sleep because I played Kingdom instead of writing. Thanks, Kingdom. After I've had this game for a week. (laughs) Yeah, I think, you know, I just, I I had this horrible moment the other day where, like, I have been wanting to get back into The Witcher for a long time, but I was like, I don't have time to get into The Witcher. Like, I have to remember all my quests, and oh, good. I need a real, like, solid block of a day or two where I can just really deep dive into The Witcher, and it'll be great. And it turns out I did have that time. Didn't know it, but that time was just lying there. (laughs) Uh, But Kingdom just came along and was like, hey, nice free time, work time, life you've got there. Let me just, don't mind if I just take all that, do you? I feel that it's like tobacco. It's like, tobacco's great. Smoke tobacco. It's wonderful. However, there should be warnings there <laughs> reminding you that at the same time, it's very dangerous. Um, so, yeah, maybe that's what it needs just on the Steam page. It's um, weird. This, this happens so rarely to me now, too. Maybe that's to babies. Maybe that's a function of it being new and novel. You know what I mean? Like, I was vulnerable to this in a way, like... Because Civ, I, I'm so familiar with that that rhythm now that it, it is harder for me to to sustain that level of engagement. Like, I feel like with each Civ since, like, Civ 4, uh, my ability to have the the long session has sort of fallen off and, and, and tapered a little bit. Uh, but here, it, there was that there, there was that newness, and uh, I fell right into the trap for, for reasons we've, we've described. And, and Rowan, I think you're absolutely right. that this is, this is all early game Civ. Like, this game is made out yeah. of those delicious bits of 4X games that we all love the most, where you just, like, it's are like... fighting to live, and you're selecting the site of your future fort. Yeah, um... Also, uh, the novelty does help a lot, but even then, like, I had the same sort of deep dive with The Witcher, and I played Dragon Age Inquisition, like, less than a year before. The Witcher was just better. Like, that's what made me want to do it, and this game is not, like, I'm I'm sure I could do a deep dive into, you know, a Terraria or a Starbound, but this game is pressing my buttons far better than those 2D strategy-ish games yeah terraria i actually came close to loving and it was definitely a game that uh i I totally got a little bit addicted to that one as well because it does have that day night cycle and there's always the sense that there's more to explore and and more to do and it's it's, it's a really well-made like open-ended like you know build your own platformer uh but what, what just got me is eventually like again that that sense of a lack of a destination uh and in terraria that's clearly like not even what you're supposed to be there for Right, like Terraria is kind of just like, oh, experiment with it. Like, 
figure out what these new materials do build new stuff go deeper delve deeper fight new monsters uh but but for me it eventually just to the point where it's like yeah i think i've had enough digging i think i've i think i've dug enough um i think also one of the advantages that kingdom has over that is like it never feels like it's out of reach like i look at terraria and i see this is a game that if i committed to like this is my life it is gone. It is 100% Terraria for me to, like, get into all the different systems and items and knowledge. And, like, this happens a lot with roguelikes or open-ended strategy RPG-type things. Like, um, Risk of Rain was an action roguelike that I really, really liked when I played it. But I also noticed, like, okay, if I'm going to play this game, I have to commit. Kingdom never feels that way. Kingdom's like, I'm just here. I'm chilling. <laughs> you don't have to worry about me. Just little old kingdom. Twists its ankle yeah. in front of you. Uh, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's getting too real. One thing, one last thing I just <laughs> want to call out before we call it uh, is that it really is not to be underestimated how charming and delightful this game is just for the senses. Uh, the the, the, the watercolory pixel art uh, is just gorgeous. Like you said, Fraser, it has that beautiful like set of reflections that, that are there in the foreground. Uh, and then I really thought the music was something special uh there, there are so many different types of tracks and so many different little styles they're playing with uh you know some of it vaguely prog some of it very like just sort of menacing and almost like uh you know atmospheric and soundtracky uh i was i was i've heard that i've heard that music a lot this week and uh, i'm still enjoying it and there's still a few tracks where i definitely do that thing where it's like oh man i'm just gonna i'm just gonna play until this track ends because uh, this even is... just the ambient noise, like the crickets and the you know just things like that, they're just and the picking up of the coins, everything just has a lovely ring to it, the, lovely sounds. So sometimes I forget. It's got that... great footstep noises because yes. you're on a horse, yes. so it's going clop clop all the time. So it's like um, sometimes I forget I that should, the like... music's ended because and I'm just listening to the the ambient sounds and I'm still like really soothed by them. We should find a way to sneak into Rob's place and like play the blood moon, blood moon music while he sleeps. <laughs> he's already admitted he's vulnerable. Let's not. <laughs> no, like, I hear the blood moon music. I'll Rob. just like snap awake and just like be back <laughs> at my computer within seconds. Be like, I just, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta fix that wall. I gotta, I gotta do something. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah. So that is Kingdom, and uh, I do think we, you know, we, we recommend it. I think mine comes with a huge caution sticker. Uh, like just picture like Kingdom comes in a pack, and it has a picture of me uh, with just like a complexion that's completely washed out, and like a couple days growth of beard in a really unflattering way. No, I, I should. I, I've got a cool unshaven thing going. I'm, I'm rocking it. Don't worry. Don't worry about me. But nevertheless, like a picture of me looking mo- moderately disheveled and uh, ambivalent uh, should be sold in the pack of uh, of Kingdom. I'm imagining. I mean, if, if you're one of those people who like makes your game purchase decisions based on like cost per hour or whatever, this is a damn fine purchasing decision. Oh, but is if it? you if you make your decision based on sanity, then you. Uh, yeah, you should have fun with this. Yeah, but it 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 really is an interesting game because it it does it does strike at the heart of, of so many trends in uh in, in game design right now, and it's uh just it, it's just it's just so well made, and I really do hope with expansions, and uh, I'm glad that it, it's done so well that they're they've already sort of recouped their expenses, uh, and I'm really hoping that you know in the future. 
it becomes a little more developed and turns into sort of the game that it was sort of promising to be uh, in the in those opening hours, right? That it can restore some of that sense of exploration and discovery uh, that we completely ruined uh, by talking by talking about it for an hour. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's it's easy to say these things, but you really have to get burned by them before you learn them. Yeah, I, like 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 Dan actually told me how to play. He told me probably three hours yeah. in, and I was like, "Yep." totally get it no didn't get it didn't get it at all still had to make those mistakes which again is a useful metaphor for life you don't truly understand it unless you've risked your well-being for a few hours your mental well-being yeah all right so that does it for kingdom uh and we'll be back next week with a show on the king of dragon pass a little classic game analysis coming up uh troy goodfellow will be hosting that one uh and i'm looking forward to listening to it because it's a game i hear uh referred to a lot on this podcast but it's something i've never actually experienced so i'm really interested to hear uh troy and his his panel uh discuss it uh gentlemen thank you so much for chatting with me about kingdom Uh, i'm not sure i'm gonna thank you for the recommendation uh, we'll have to give you. We'll have to let a little time pass before I can uh, before I can thank you for introducing me to this. But it's been it's been a hell of a ride. It's been emotional. <laughs> a lot of laughter, a lot of tears. That will do it for this week's episode of Three Moves Ahead, which is produced by Michael Hermes and hosted by the Idle Thumbs Network. You can learn more about the show or discuss this episode with our community by visiting our website at threemovesahead.net. We'll be back next week with another edition of Three Moves Ahead. Until then, this is Rob Zachney saying goodnight. Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. Joining me today, once again, is my colleague, freelance writer, Fraser Ground. Hello. Brown. Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. Fraser Ground. Fra- <laughs> Fraser Ground-ass man. <laughs> All right, so that will do it for Three Moves Ahead, a podcast in the Idle Thumbs Network produced by Michael Hermes. Uh, ah, shit. I can't do this unscripted anymore. I can't, like, everything about this show is just fucked up. You're too old, man. That's the thing. I'll go to hell. <laughs> Jaded. Like, I'm, I, I'm, like, not even a year older than you are. Go to hell. <laughs> it's, it's a big year, though, mate. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. I just turned 30.